Welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast. My name's Simeon and I was a teacher for eight years and the absolute highlight of my career for me was getting to work with trainee teachers and help them begin their career on the right foot. Now I work with the trainee teachers and ECTs team here at Twinkle and our aim is to provide guidance and advice to help you go into the classroom feeling confident. Today's show is going to be all about job hunting. We've done several job hunting podcasts over the years and my aim today is to pull together the best advice and tips from those podcasts into a kind of super podcast so you can listen to this episode and feel confident whatever stage you are at in your job hunt. Just before we begin, I'd like to go over our social media channels in case you would like to get in touch with us. So you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash twinkle trainee teachers. You can find us on Twitter at trainee twinkle. You can find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash twinkle trainee teachers. We also have a TikTok channel, which is tiktok.com at twinkle trainee teachers and a Pinterest board, which is pinterest.co.uk slash twinkle trainee teachers. So welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I'm sure many of you who are long-time listeners may be wondering where Ashley is and I have some exciting news for you. Ashley will be off for a few months because she is on maternity leave and she has given birth to a baby girl and they're both happy and healthy and Ashley's enjoying the time with her family. So we won't have Ashley on the show for a while but we very much look forward to her coming back. It's been great hosting with Ashley. In the meantime, it's just going to be me, but I'm going to be looking for more guests to come on the show. So if you are interested in being on the show, if you'd like to share your experience of training this year or how this year for you has been as an ECT, then please do get in touch with us on the social media channels I mentioned earlier. I'd also be very interested to talk to anyone with experience of being a supply teacher or an ECT mentor. So as I said at the top of the show, my aim today is going to be to give our best tips on job hunting at all stages of job hunting. So I'm going to plough ahead and go through as much stuff as I can for you and hopefully it will be helpful. Um, So I think I'll start right at the beginning with finding the right school for you and why that's important. Uh, so we've talked to Oliver Wright in the past, um, who's a head teach friend of ours, and he gave the very good advice that there's no such thing as a perfect school for you, and you shouldn't let that get in the way of finding the right school for you. There are obviously a lot of things to consider when you're looking for a school, the distance away from your home, the size, the teaching style, management style, the values and ethos, the class sizes, the age, the intake, the local area, um, what your co-workers will be like, the type of support you'll receive, the start date, any extra duties, the most recent Ofsted report, all those things will play into your decision and it's unlikely you will find a school that ticks every single box. So you're really looking for somewhere you think you can be happy that will support you and that's going to work for you broadly speaking. Uh, So when you're starting your job hunt, we recommend the teaching vacancies page, which is the government page. And if you just type in teaching vacancies gov into a search, you'll, you'll find it. And you can type in the area you're looking for and it will bring up 
search results for teaching vacancies really easily. You can also try schooljobsearch.co.uk and I found my teaching position on the local council website. A lot of councils advertise on their website so you can search for those and some newspapers also advertise teaching vacancies. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, now is kind of peak job hunting time from now until the end of the year. So if you've not found a position yet, don't worry, there's still plenty of time left. I know several teachers who managed to secure a position in September after feeling quite down that they didn't get one before the summer. And that, that happens for all kinds of reasons. But if you're looking now, now is pretty much the perfect time to be looking for a job. It's going to be the busiest time with the most job openings. So once you've found a school that you like and you start thinking about making your application, it might be different depending on what kind of school you're applying to and where in the country you're applying. Most schools now have their own application forms they'd like you to complete. Quite often these are set by the local authority. Some schools may require a CV. That's getting less and less common nowadays, but it's good practice to have a CV because basically you'll need all the information from your CV to fill out one of these forms anyway. So I would just create a CV and then you can copy it and paste out the information into the relevant section of the form. Cover letters can be a bit confusing. Often they're not needed, especially if it is an online form with a section for a personal statement. A cover letter is different to a letter of application, as Theo Griff explained in her appearance on our podcast. She explained it as a letter of application is basically a personal statement written in the form of a letter applying for the job. So you wouldn't have a letter of application and a personal statement because they would cover the same things. A cover letter is just a brief letter and Oliver gave us the advice to keep it very brief that might go with your application. It might just be a little note to say, here is my application for the role of da da da. Thank you for considering me. And the reason you probably want to keep this brief unless the school has specified that you write a certain amount is because schools will typically receive between 50 and 100 applications for a job, we've been told, depending again on where you are in the country and the type of school. So A, it's very competitive and B, that can be a lot of paperwork for the head teacher and the office staff. So we want to make their lives as easy as possible. And we always want to follow their guidance very carefully. Always follow the submission guidance because A, that will make their lives easier. And B, they'll be looking to see if you can follow the instructions. Another tip that came to us from Theo Griff, um, who, if you don't know, she she was a job hunting guru for a very popular educational publication for many years. And her tip was to take down all the key points from the job specification and to put them into something called an executive summary, which is basically a table where on one side you will put the key points from the job specification. And then on the other side, you're going to put how you meet those points and this will help you write your personal statement. And if you're not sure about that, don't worry. We have a free version you can download. It's also available in our Job Hunting Mega Pack, which I will link to below this episode. That's another free resource. It's possibly our best job hunting resource because it pulls together a collection of our best job hunting resources and podcasts. And again, I will link to that below. And that is still free on the Twinkle website with any level of Twinkle membership. So I highly recommend downloading that one. 
Oh, and I will just remind you, if you ever do get an application where you're looking at it and you're not quite sure and that maybe the wording seems strange or you're not quite sure what should go in which box, do get in touch with us and we'll do our best to help you. We really recommend visiting schools. And this is for a few reasons. One, it will give you a much better idea of what the school is actually like. You'll get to see what the staff and the children are like in situ, what the senior management team are like. It's likely you'll be shown around by the head teacher who will, if you get the job, be your future boss. So it's really important you get an idea of what they're like and if you can get along with them and if you like their way of doing things. It's also a chance for you to ask questions about how the school supports ECTs and any other procedures you want to know about. Schools can be vastly different. I've known schools who want all planning for the week put on a public drive Monday morning as soon as lessons start and other schools that never look at planning. And it it can be a very wide spectrum of things in schools. So it's, it's important to find out about things like that. How do they tackle planning? Is is there joint planning? Are there many schemes of work? All those kind of things. What the marking system is like, because ultimately they will impact your workload if you choose to work at that school. Other things to consider might be behavior management, goals for the school. What are they doing to combat workload issues and what are they doing for teacher well-being? These are all questions you might want to have in your head when you go to look at school. You might also be able to identify potential red flags. For example, if the staff don't seem very happy or don't want to talk to you, if a lot of staff members have left recently and multiple positions are being advertised, if there are quite strict demands placed on teachers that you don't agree with, these might all be potential red flags. I don't use that phrase lightly. There can be schools that are really not very good places to start your career and it's so important that you find one that's going to support you and look after you and treat you well. One more note on visits to schools, they are your first impression. Um, The second you walk in that school and talk to the office staff, you are making an impression on the whole staff and the school. And the head teacher will ask other staff members what they thought of the candidates. It's likely they'll want to get someone who can work well with everyone, not just them. So it's really important you make a good first impression on all the staff you interact with. So just be friendly, polite, respectful, try and smile, make good eye contact and ask questions and generally be interested in the school. Right, so let's say you found a school you like, you want to apply, you filled out the application and now we've come to the personal statement, the most important part of the application. Again, Oliver Wright gave us some advice on this. He advised us that as a head teacher himself who has conducted many interviews, quite often head teachers will just look straight away at the personal statement. That's the most important thing because teachers, especially at the beginning of their careers, are likely to have very similar skill sets on their CV. So he viewed the personal statement as the most important part of the application And going a bit further, he viewed the first couple of paragraphs of the personal statement as the most important part of the application. So that's my really big tip. Make sure you are hooking the reader in your first couple of paragraphs. So I recommend in the first couple of paragraphs, really trying to state why you specifically want to apply to this school and what kind of teacher you are. And this can be really hard because it's quite easy to fall into generalities. Things Saying things like, I'm a hardworking, passionate teacher 
may well be true, but it could also be true of a great many teachers who are applying. And if you're saying that, you're not really setting yourself apart from anyone else, even if it is true. So I'd urge you to really try and come up with specifics for you in those first two paragraphs, honest specifics about what you loved about this school, why you want to be a teacher and what's unique about you that you bring to the role. Apart from that, I'll go over some personal statement basics. So we believe personal statements should be two sides of A4 in a 12 point font. You may or may not know we offer to read personal statements for people to give them feedback. And I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Quite often they are too long. The statements we receive. And one of the errors I notice is people are making the same point over and over again, rather than covering everything in the job specification. So that's where that executive summary will help you. Because if you've made that, that is almost like a plan for your personal statement where you can just go through and tackle these things point by point by point. And hopefully at the end, you end up with roughly around two pages. And if not, you can edit down a bit or add more if you need to. I have written a blog on personal statement writing, which I'll link to down below. And that goes into even more detail on structure and ways to phrase things. A few common errors I notice being really careful with the spelling and grammar check. I, I advise you use the read aloud function on Word or you use a program like Natural Readers, um, which is free online, and you just paste your personal statement into there and have the computer read it aloud to you because you're much more likely to identify errors that way or have a friend or family member read it aloud to you. Get lots of feedback on it from multiple people you trust just to make sure it's the best it can be before you send it. Personal statements really do have to be tailored to the school to stand out. You could just write one general one and send it to 50 schools and not get any interviews. Schools really want to feel that you are passionate about working at their school, that you've done some research and that you are a good fit for their school. And that's just not going to come across from a general statement. Other small things I notice are that because you're writing about yourself, it's quite easy to start a lot of sentences with I. So watch out for that. And because people have been writing essays for and sometimes I notice that because people are writing in kind of an academic way when they're describing teaching, there's quite long, overly complex sentences with lots of furthermores and therefores and those kind of things in that almost lose their meaning and contradict themselves. So I would aim to write for clarity over complexity. It's fine to share complex ideas. And if you can demonstrate that in a well-written way, that will definitely earn you some points with the head teacher who will, of course, be looking at your work and thinking, if you're a primary school teacher, well, would I be happy with this person teaching English? But if you're writing lots of long, complex sentences with big academic sounding words that don't actually make clear sense to the person reading, that's, that will unfortunately count against you. So I just bear that in mind. So the personal statement service is something we've done for the last couple of years. And I want to stress this. Um, this is not something Twinkle offers. This is something my team does and our manager has agreed to and we get some time every week to do it. So if you've written what you feel is your best effort of a personal statement and you're still not getting interviews, you are the perfect person to send us your personal statement. I will link to the form 
down below. All you do is you fill out that form. Um, our team's smaller at the minute, so we don't have as much capacity as we have in previous years, but we will try and get through as many statements as we can per week. So if you'd like our feedback, you feel like you've done your best effort, your statement is thoroughly spell-checked and polished and ready to go, send it to us and we'll do our best to help you make it even better to give you that little cherry on top and hopefully help you land your dream job. Yeah, apart from all that, my only other advice on writing a personal statement is I think the best ones I read are ones where I really get a sense of what the person writing will be like as a teacher, what they are passionate about, what they want to do in their classroom, what their classroom will look like. And they've given me examples of things they've done in their teaching practice, in their training, and what the outcomes were. Um, which is a really good skill to have in writing job applications. It's great to test what you've done, but if you can add on what the outcome was, especially for the children, that's a real bonus. And the other thing, I like applications that bring it back to the children because actually this is the point of everything we do. We want the children we work with to get a good education. Head teachers want the teachers they hire to be passionate about the children. They want the children in their schools to be getting a good education. So I think it's really good to have that in mind to always try and bring your application back to the children because after all they are the reason we do what we do okay so you've done your application you've done your visit you've written your personal statement you've sent it off and you get asked to attend an interview now that is really really exciting um congratulations if you get that far that is a big step getting asked to attend an interview as i said earlier it is very competitive you might have been up against 50 to 100 people so getting asked to attend an interview is brilliant and well done you if you've got that far so you will likely have to teach an interview lesson and these can be very varied depending on the school they can be 20 minutes long with a group of children or 40 minutes long with a whole class um, you can be given quite a specific thing to teach or it can be left very open I've seen things like teach a lesson about reading and you have 20 minutes and that that's the whole brief or more specific things like we would like you to teach a 35 minute lesson on fronted adverbials. So it really is up to the school. If it's a more general thing, a more open thing, like um, you can choose the book, I would go with something that you really care about, that you're passionate about, um, because that will come through in your teaching and it will create a good feeling. Generally, for interview lessons, I advise that people just set out a clear learning objective for the children that can be achieved in the time and that can be hard with 20 minutes and it's got a way of being measured at the end and that doesn't need to be complicated it could be post-it notes it could be thumbs up thumbs down it could be answers on whiteboards but you do have some kind of measurable outcome I'd factor in that you want time to interact with the class, um, to demonstrate a little bit how you manage behaviour. Don't be afraid to take questions and go around and talk to children if they're doing an activity or a task. And if you have a TA for the interview lesson, it's a good idea to write them some quick notes or make time to talk to them so they're used effectively. If you've got an interview lesson and you're really stuck for ideas, Edu Twitter can be a great place to get ideas and inspiration. That's um, a lovely community, the education community on Twitter. I'm on there every day. 
But there are lots of people who will help you if you want that kind of advice. So I would recommend posting on there if you've got an interview lesson, you're not quite sure what to do and you want some ideas or you can always ask us. When it comes to the interview itself, uh, the most common questions we get asked are about being nervous and that's perfectly understandable because interviews are stressful situations. I've even seen interviewers get nervous during interviews. So I think it, it, it does as well to remember that everyone's going to be feeling a bit stressed, a bit on edge, and that's normal. My best advice is to make sure you're breathing deeply, you've got nice cool water to drink, you're smiling and you're, and you're adopting a posture that's going to make you feel relaxed. Research shows that if we adopt a very closed off posture, um, we actually end up making ourselves feel kind of closed off and nervous after a few minutes. Whereas if we adopt a more confident, relaxed posture, we end up feeling more confident and relaxed. So this is something we can use to our advantage in interviews. So do try and make eye contact when you're having the actual interview. It's fine to bring in notes with you or a notepad, and it is absolutely fine to ask for a question again or take some time to answer. There are certain questions in interviews you are almost certainly going to be asked. So a question about safeguarding is very likely. We have a list of common interview questions, which I'll link to. It's also in our job hunting mega pack, so that can really help you prepare. You could definitely have a kind of general answer for questions about safeguarding, how you work with parents, how you work with other staff, use of ICT, all those kind of common things that come up. I mean, other things you might get asked about are differentiation, behavior management. Uh, you might get asked to expand on things in your CV. So it's good to have a few examples up your sleeve so if you have an example ready of the time you used differentiation to help your class, you might be able to use it in the interview. After the interview is over, if you're successful, schools will normally let you know very quickly. You don't have to accept then and there. You can ask them for a day or so to think about it, but they will want to know quickly so they can hire someone else if you are not interested in the role. Uh, sometimes we get questions from people, they've been off the roll, they've accepted it, and then nothing's come through the post for a few weeks, so they start feeling a bit worried. Don't worry, in education, once a school has offered you a role verbally and you've accepted it, that that is seen as done. I, I've never heard of someone having an offer like that rescinded, so don't worry, it does take some time um, for everything to be sorted out. If you're a trainee teacher, I'd just make sure that the school is going to register you with the appropriate body for your ECT period so you can complete your ECT induction. And the last thing I want to touch on is what should you do if you don't find a job or if you're not sure you want a full-time teaching job yet? And that's an important question. Um, some people, after completing their training year, the training year is very hard. They want some time to rest and recoup or do something else. So there's lots of options available. There's teaching abroad, there's tutoring, there's lots of things like Camp America where you get to work with children. You could work with a charity that works with children. You could be a TA for a while if you don't want to go into a full-time teaching role. All those things let you use what you've learned and be valuable experience for the future. 
There's also the route of supply teaching. If you've not found a full-time teaching role, but you want to find one, that's a great way to get your foot in the door. And quite often, supply teachers end up getting full-time teaching positions at the schools they work at. So I've talked to several supply teachers in episodes who've recommended supply teaching and said it was a great way for them to build experience, feel more confident, and try lots of different schools and find out what kind of school suited them. So that's everything from me on job hunting today. I hope that's been helpful for you. I've tried to go through a lot very quickly. So if you do want to know more, you can always get in touch with us on social media. We're also hosting live events called Teach Meets. And our next one is Wednesday, the 24th of May, 2023. That's about job hunting. That is a free event you can sign up to. And Hannah and I will be there to discuss job hunting in more detail. I'll link to that down below. We've also, we've passed 6,000 downloads for this podcast, which is a big milestone for us. So I want to say thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, We appreciate your comments and your questions and the time you give us for listening. And we're so glad this podcast has been helpful. We will be running a giveaway soon on social media to celebrate 6,000 downloads. So do stay tuned for that. Okay, thank you everyone and goodbye.